host is Cynthia Dill. With me by phone is Danielle Waugh, a TV news investigative reporter at CBS 12 News in Southern Florida. Welcome, Danielle. Hey, how are you, Cynthia? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so glad that you are able to join us. Now, many people in Maine know you from uh, your face on television news for WCSH in Portland and then for the New England cable news. Um, But now you're down in southern Florida as an investigative reporter. First of all, what's the weather like where you are? Oh, it's beautiful and sunny and in the 80s, Um, but it is one of those situations where the mood does not match the weather. Um, It's it's strange down here. People are definitely having a tough time with all of the coronavirus developments like the rest of the country. Um, But I really can't complain about the weather, that's for sure. Took a nice long walk today to try and get my mind uh, ready for another week of this coverage. Well, it must not be easy to be an investigative reporter during a pandemic in Florida. I mean, what challenges to your job has the coronavirus presented? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great question, because I was just chatting with my editor about this. Um, You know, things are shutting down, and so our access to information is getting limited. I mean, so much of what we do relies on public information, data, um, documents, and we rely on people in records departments to be able to get us that data in a timely manner in order to do our stories. So we're really just taking it one day at a time. It's really hard to plan these long investigations because we're not sure what the next month is going to look like, let alone the next couple days. Um, So it's very, very difficult to plan our long-term reports that we want to work on and you know we had planned on doing a number of stories coming up in may and they just all seem really irrelevant now because the world has changed so we're going to try and and look at what we can do about the coronavirus um but it's really changed my job from looking at things long term to just taking a more day-by-day approach and you know what are the big stories of the day and how can we dig into those and recently in florida the the government local and statewide has taken pretty drastic steps Um, are you currently under sort of a a shelter in place policy for everything that's non-essential people have to just kind of keep inside Yeah, so it's definitely not a shelter-in-place command at this point. And I think what's important to note about Florida's response so far is that it's very patchwork. So you have some counties that are taking bigger measures than others. So, for example, uh, Miami-Dade, Fort Lauderdale area, Broward County, and Palm Beach County, where I live, um, they have shut down the beaches, and they're trying to curb that spring break kind of influx of people that we always get, and um, restaurants are supposed to be going into takeout only and those kind of measures, but just to our north, in an area of the state called the Treasure Coast, which I can access by a 40-minute drive north, um, those beaches are still open. So, you know, these orders coming down from the governor, from county officials to local officials, everybody's doing something different. And that makes it difficult, I think, for residents to get on the same page, for our government to get on the same page. So you definitely get the sense that people aren't sure what the rules are. And not everybody is abiding by the rules when they are put in place because it just varies so widely wherever you go. Well, the big news before the coronavirus hit was, of course, the elections. And I'm wondering, Florida had its primary and now, you know, everyone's sort of marching towards November. But the elections also 
don't seem to be in the news as prominently. Are you feeling or hearing, getting the sense that there may be political ramifications from the kind of scattershot government that's that's that you're observing in response yeah. to this crisis? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange because politics, you know, Florida gets such national attention for its ability to be a swing state. We have so many election issues down here. We have so many interesting figures in politics. But, you know, coming from Maine, where we had such a large number of people who were registered to vote, who turned out for elections, who were engaged in politics, it's really strange because people don't feel to me like they're quite as engaged as they were in Maine. Oh, Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would cover a protest or a rally almost once a week, if not more, in Maine, because people were so aware of what was going on politically. Down here, your average person, I don't get the sense, is as involved. So that's an interesting observation that I made long ago, and it still carries to this day. Um, We did just have a primary last Tuesday, and the big story down here was, yes, we had a primary But it was so difficult to run because so many poll workers didn't show up. We had polling places that didn't open on time. One that I reported on, it took four hours to open. And so people were getting turned away. People that wanted to vote couldn't. And um, it was a mess. It was a mess. Um, That doesn't give me a lot of confidence about the (laughs) next presidential election at all. I know. And that's, that's been a historic problem in Palm Beach County where we had, you know, the issues with the right. chats and then just in the last big election, they were having to do recounts. So we historically have had problems down here and the coronavirus just made everything exponentially worse. So there was actually a lot of conversation saying, shouldn't we have just postponed the primary in that case when you had so many poll workers dropping out, when there were these issues and, you know, we soldiered on and we forced this primary to happen. And so you kind of have to take the results, you know, you get what you get and we move on. And I think a lot of us are hopeful that the coronavirus will not be a big factor in November, but who knows? I mean, who knows how this is going to play out? Now, a lot of people move to Florida to spend their golden years, and, you know, there's the huge residential complexes for senior living, you know, all across the economic, socio, you know, socioeconomic ladder. If you had to, if it it was you right now making, uh, looking back, would you have been glad to have lived in one of these senior housing where you probably have access to resources and medical care under these conditions, or do you think that people might be rethinking this kind of group living after the coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, boy, that's a great question. I think you will see an element of wondering about these group living situations. Um, I don't cover this area of the state, but the villages are very well known in Florida. That's more in the Orlando area, central Florida, and that is um, a massive, massive retirement community. And just anecdotally, I'm just hearing that people living there aren't really thinking about the coronavirus. They're not really taking it seriously yet. And it's just so shocking to me. You'd think if anybody's taking it seriously, it's those seniors who are living in close quarters with each other. And so that's scary to think about. There's also many, many nursing homes and assisted living facilities down here. And we have already seen our first coronavirus related death in Broward County at one of those facilities. So I have a really um, scared outlook for those 
individuals. And um, recently, I just covered a story about a healthcare worker in my area who works with the elderly who was showing symptoms of the coronavirus, and she couldn't get a test. She was told that she wasn't a candidate for a test. And if anybody is a candidate, you would think it would be her. So we are not in good shape um, by any means. And I'm, I'm really concerned for our elderly. And, you know, it's just such a big population down here. So, you know, right now in Florida, we're approaching 600 confirmed cases. And, uh, man, I just hope we get a handle on this soon because it could get really bad. Now, what about your own personal safety? I mean, how much risk are you expected to take reporting these stories? Um, Is there some kind of balancing act that you have to do, you know, in terms of just reporting on this virus? Yeah, yeah. And that's something that newsrooms all over are having to deal with because you want to get out and get the story. This is the most important story we've covered, you know, maybe ever in our lifetime. And so we want to be out there reporting, but we have to take safety measures. And for everybody that looks a little bit different, but at my station, we've teamed up to work with one reporter, one photographer only for the time being. So I have my assigned photographer, and that means I'm not exposed to more people than I usually am. And we're not reporting to the actual physical office. Luckily, technology gives us the ability to do so much of our job out in the field remotely. And so if we have to cover the press conference, we'll show up to it. But if, you know, you can get an interview over Skype, if you can do it over FaceTime, luckily so many of us can do that with our cell phones. And so we're making do. We're trying to sanitize everything we can. We're trying to just be smart about social distancing. But, you know, it's on my mind constantly because at, at a certain point you can't avoid going to the gas station and touching the pump and filling up the news car. Um You know, so you just have to be careful, but I think we are all really concerned and, you know, we're reporting to work as normal and we're carrying on with our jobs, but I know, you know, several people that have taken time off of work to kind of self-isolate, to be cautious if they're feeling sick, you know, just staying home and, um, you know, we're getting daily guidance from our bosses about how to keep going in these conditions, but they've changed so rapidly. You know, two weeks ago, everything was normal. So it's it's been a huge, huge adjustment. And I guess my last question is about another, some would say, tragedy that you're familiar with, and that is Tom Brady leaving the Patriots, <laughs> and now he's going to be in <laughs> Tampa Bay at, with the Buccaneers, and, and that's where you are. So is, how has this impacted your life, if at all? He's a Florida man now. So, you know, it is hilarious. Um, You know, personally, full disclosure, I am not a Patriots fan. Never have been, never will be, even though I lived in Patriots Nation for almost eight years. I grew up in Pittsburgh, and I'm a Steelers fan. And I love the Steelers. And, you know, secret is that we don't like the Patriots in Steelers (laughs) country. Um, But my, my fiance is actually a huge, huge Patriots fan. And this was the kind of news that he was expecting. And it was really difficult when um you know we saw the pictures of him signing you know Jeremy was not not too pleased but you know life goes on and I think the coronavirus kind of puts everything in perspective right it's you know we're all healthy happy for the time being we're making the most of life and you know football will be football and it is what it is but I I can assure you I will not be going to Tampa to cheer him on or see him in any games (laughs) well Danielle Waugh thank you so much for joining me and um keep up the good work down in Florida Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Take care.